Yo, so today is the day after I did a very interesting day of volunteer work. Um, Thursday this week, I volunteered at the Sydney Street Level Mission in Surrey Hills. Um, this was something that was put on uh, by a coworker, uh, someone who was interested in doing their volunteering, I guess, if you will, at uh, you know the goodwill side of life. Um, which was interesting. I, I don't know that I was actually mentally in a place to do this kind of work initially. Um, and when I arrived, I, I, I sort of was, uh, I guess, you know, putting myself prior into a mindset for being ready to, you know, be into uh, a world that possibly I haven't been in a very long time, but then at the same time, I've kind of been a part of. Um, but, you know, one of the things that I wanted to do is I wanted to make sure that I was mentally available um, to be part of the experience, you know, sort of didn't want to bring anything with me or any prejudgment. It was, you know, an act of mindfulness in a certain sense. Um, I wanted to be wide open and I wanted to take it with me. So, you know, in any way possible. And I wanted to be available to anything that I could possibly learn on the day. Um, you know, so really it was really down to just whatever it was going to be. I was happy for it to be that. And I just wanted to be a part of, uh, you know, a, I guess in a simple sense, a journey. Um, the specific, you know, sort of part of this experience was, you know, that I knew that I would be a part of would be conversations. And, and um, the big, be, big part of this was, um, you know, just conversing with people that I knew would have, um, I guess, a level of mental disability or a mental disorder or illness. Um I'm not uncomfortable with this. It's something that is close to me, but at the same time is something that I know I'm drawn into and, and could potentially, you know, I guess elongate into, uh, you know, a discomfort, not in a negative sense, but in a re reality uh, that, you know, this stuff exists and it's, it's sort of hard to um, accept that this is a, a world we live in. Uh, both whilst I go home to my safe haven, uh, that these people can also exist at the same time. Um, you know, but I guess at the end of the day, you know, the inevitability of the situation was no matter what I was doing, um, you know, this was part of a corporate work and volunteering day. Um, and that, you know, uh, it, it, whether I was 50, 50 in this, you know, sort of experience initially, um, you know, I had to do it right. Um, and I'd have to get there and do the stuff that needed to be done. So I was willing to do whatever it took. Um, you know, the things that needed to be done, I was willing to be a part of. Um, but nevertheless, you know, uh, you know, this group of people from that I work with, we all went in and, uh, we, you know, we got amongst it. So, you know, it, it was, you know, sort of an odd situation, I guess, to a certain extent, because, you know, the people that I work with have a, have a view of me. They, they perceive me in a particular way. Um, you know, it's a workplace thing, you know, it's not that, that that person or that view is that dissimilar to the person I am. Um, you know, I am, you know, not, not too far off that person. I, I, I guess really, 
you know, the, the version of myself in the workplace is just someone that, you know, kind of doesn't really deal with or put up with other people's brand of bullshit. Um, you know, I kind of just, you know, get in the way of that. I interfere to a certain extent, but it's not right up front. It's normally after the, after I hear whatever they're trying to, whatever line of BS they're trying to run with. But you know, that is what people see me as. And to a certain extent, I think people think that that is entertaining. They like to watch that. They don't want to be a part of that or they want to be in the way of it, but like to see it done to other people. And I think that going into this situation, um, you know, they, they, possibly thought that you know my version of being a sort of sarcastic mischief maker which i am sort of in the in the corporate workplace may not blend well in the environment where you know people are on the down and out so you know they might have had this preconceived idea and i thought that was kind of fun to play with um you know i was a bit quiet on the day mainly because i had this blistering headache and i just sort of woke up flat that day i didn't get up at the normal time i was up a little bit later the night prior um you know i get up in my normal time and do my workout i kind of got up slept in and uh went into this situation with a bit of a headache so you know whilst that you know was the you know the situation i was in you know it was sort of this you know on the edge of my periphery this sort of thing that was going on the whole time um but outside of that, you know, it, again, it's kind of back to this, you know, <laughs> I thought it was interesting. People thought I might have this, you know, I, I sort of got the sense that people thought I'd engage in a, you know, in an odd way or an mischief sort of way. But in the reality of, you know, dealing with people with mental illness, you know, I find myself that, you know, whilst society sees them as those are the ones that are the misfits, the irony is, is that, you know, I think of myself as a misfit. You know, I'm someone who could flip into crazy at any minute and really someone who just generally doesn't fit in. So in a weird way, when I go and um, and part of being in an environment where people are, you know, sort of misfit or on the down and out or people that have these crazy ideas, you know, they resonate with me to a certain degree because, you know, I, I agree with it. You know, I agree that, you know, alternate uh, realities are far better served than the ones we live in. And, and, you know, so it's just one of those things where, you know, I, I got a sense that the people I was with may have thought of me in a particular regard, um, that I'd go in, you know, in a particular way. And that in reality, what I felt happened was a very different situation, you know? So we went in, we sat down, we had this, you know, sort of induction into, you know, what is this world we're going to get a part of, you know, sort of that moment of being somewhat, uh, cleaned up before we went in and dealt with the situation outside of, you know, don't leave your umbrellas there. They'll probably get nicked. Uh, you don't leave your backpacks out. Don't leave anything on the counters. The normal sort of what would you expect in an environment of people that are homeless, I suppose, or people that, you know, may be in an environment or opportunistic environment. Um, you know, the, the, you know, situation we were in was, Hey, you're in this situation. You're here to volunteer, you know, thank you very much. Uh, here are some jobs. And we were sort of given two options. You know, the primary option was is to the day we were there was a big meal prep day. It was a big free meal day, you know, and, um, you know, and we all kind of knew that that's what it was. And there's a group of us that wanted a group of us that wanted to be a part of that meal prep and work in the kitchen. Um, but the other option was it was the um, meet and greet at the front door running the coffee cart that, you know, hot drinks uh, cart as people came in, um, you know, and we ended up having to spend uh, what was it? Uh, 930 to 12 o'clock running this coffee cart, you know, take, you know, with, you know, what was seemingly this sort of high pressure situation of people that really wanted this hot drink, you know, it had been raining for a few days. 
Um, you know, and you know, there was this, you know, Hey, people really want, uh, the drink they want it. Uh, you know, so there, you know, there was a sort of, uh, I guess a situation where they were like, Hey, this is a pressure situation. You're going to be the face of, you know, people coming in here today, uh, who wants to be there. Um, my boss had jokingly said that he was very keen on, um, he was very keen on frothing milk. He'd been working on it. So I immediately threw him under the bus and I said, Oh, my boss, you know, he's the frother. He's the frother guy. He wants to froth milk, but unfortunately you're not doing that today, which sort of, you know, turned into a situation whereby, you know, we all had a bit of a laugh. It broke the ice. And, um, he was then, you know, somewhat self-nominated and sort of team nominated to be the coffee cart guy. Um, you know, and I sort of sat back. I didn't want to put my hand up, but I kind of knew, that everyone was going to nominate me to do this job. Um, but I, I sat back because I didn't want to just, you know, be that person that, you know, took the jobs. I wanted others to have the opportunity because I fundamentally knew I could just do whatever was required of me of the day. Um, you know, I, I've done this type of work before. So it was really around, hey, just getting in there and doing the thing, whatever that thing was. Um, so, I'll, you know, it, it, it was, a, you know, I, I guess it was I was a target. Um, people kind of make me a target. Everybody wants to see me squirm, you know, and, and that's a fun thing that I kind of play out with people. And, um, you know, so after my boss sort of semi-elected himself and, you know, it, it sort of moved everybody confirming like, oh, yeah, you know, the boss should do this job. Um, you know, my name sort of slipped out. And, you know, and, and, and not to my surprise, I was then the person who was going to, you know, be one of the two people that ran the coffee cart. And, um, you know, and, and we were then, you know, kind of like, you know, the front of the building, um, you know, and I was fine with that. I was I was more than happy to be that person who, you know, said good morning and, and did the thing that needed to be done to greet these people into the building. Also, full well understanding the sort of implication of what it meant to take on the job. So, you know, once we kind of got divvied up and everybody asked their questions, we got shifted out and we got put in front of this coffee cart. Um, you know, the rules were laid out. You know, my boss and I were kind of quickly shown like, you know, kind of behind a basically a makeshift table with uh, a giant uh, 10 liter kettle of hot water and some, you know, tens of different drinks and, you know, whatever, um, you know, and the rules were put in front of us. You know, uh, it was basically no more than two cups per person, um, no more than two scoops of Milo per, you know, per drink, which is basically Milo. For those of you who don't know, it's like this sort of weird Australian commonwealth hot chocolate malt thing that um, everybody drinks down here. And, um, you know, and they had infinite sugar they could have. Uh, you know, we were never given rules around tea bags. It was just sort of, you know, this level of, you know, rules that were in play. Um, you know, and, and really what we were told is everybody has a specific balance to their concoction. Just kind of take on what they want, but here's the basic boundaries of the situation and just go forth and, uh, you know, sit here and, and, and take them in and, you know, greet them and have those conversations. Um, you know, so to, to what I do or the, the bedside manner that I exhibit when I'm in this situation is it was all about making a point of saying good morning you know, asking them what they want very specifically around these sorts of drinks and ensuring that, you know, their sort of recipe for what made them happy in that first cup or second cup was exactly what they needed. And, you know, and then to offer that voice of someone who, you know, was genuinely uh, there and hoped that they had a nice day. So I really took it to a, you know, sort of service level of which it was, hey, you know, how are you today? What can I get for you? Oh, that's perfect. You know, just let me know if this is right. You know, double check these uh, this exact order of things. And you know what? Have a great day. Um, you know, and people were, you know, sort of in and out of that. Um, there was a pattern to the behavior. 
you know, I've kind of been rehearsing this conversation I'm having with you today with others because it was sort of an interesting, you know, reality to be part of. Um, you know, there was a first pass and then there was a second pass to this whole, you know, get your your cups of, you know, hot drink. Um, you know, I'd been writing for multiple days prior. Many of these people have been sleeping, you know, fairly rough, um, you know, and, and we're just getting dry for the first time. And the facilities there were there to not only provide them sort of a level of safe haven in the day, but to offer offer them showers and places to wash clothes and, you know, to retrieve mail as a place for their mail and to get general, you know, support. Um, you know, all in all, it was a very interesting um, environment to watch happen and just spectating alone. It was, um, you know, very, very interesting. Um, you know, so, so the, you know, so while the pattern that I had or that I noticed was, you know, somewhat the same. I mean, these people kind of came up and did the thing, you know, the varying levels of, you know, the conversations that I had were not, you know, I mean, I met an energy drink magnate. I met a millionaire. I met people from other planets, fathers, mothers, lovers, tennis fanatics, and a whole slew of just other people who, you know, were just there to get a hot cup, you know, of something and, um, you know, just kind of get on with their day. Um, you know, it was interesting in that my, you know, lack of there of judgment allowed me to be very open to the situation. And, you know, I found it, it wasn't that it was entertaining as much as that it was engaging to ride shotgun in someone else's life, you know, no matter how they decided to do it. You know, first pass was a little bit different than the second pass when they decided to open up. You know, cup number two always brought a far more comfortable engagement than cup number one. You know, with a the majority, there was a minority of people that were very happy to, you know, jump right into the bandwagon, you know, jump right into this situation with me and have a conversation, you know, of which I was more than happy to have that conversation with. Um, you know, and, and the big part here is, is that I knew that I was, you know, going to encounter this trauma, you know, that I would be able to see the trauma, that I would be able to see the mental illness and the disorder taking place, but that I didn't want that to distract me, um, you know, and I didn't want to judge. I just wanted to be mindful and be there, be present and be part of it. And, um, you know, it was, it was interesting to reflect in the moment of, whilst I was hearing these things and then those conversations might end or I might get distracted or I might have to move on and serve the next cup of coffee that, you know, this whole thing was taking place in front of me and in, in irrespective of what I thought these people existed, you know, in their world, you know, in their, in their mind, in their way of which that they're handling their life, you know, and it, and, and again, these are people from both sides of the spectrum from disorder through to just down and out. Um, you know, and, and, you know, and whilst I'm doing this podcast, I mean, this whole podcast is about self-talk and it's about the, you know, the, the way at which you deal with yourself, you know, and, and again, I deal with, you know, this whole podcast so far has been about dealing with normal people and, you know, and their lives. And, you know, I knew, and I wanted to make sure that I was able to take advantage of the situation I was in to only contrast, you know, the exposure I was getting in that day to, you know, the normalcy that, you know, I live in and the people that I talk to about their lives are, right? You know, I mean, these people have, fell in, have fallen down to a level that, you know, to be honest, I don't think anyone really understands unless you are homeless, unless you really fall down, you know, and, and, and the comparison between our lives and their lives are incomparable. Um, so that in itself was just not an eye-opener because I know it exists, but it was 
something I wanted to ensure that I completely and utterly, uh, you know, took in no, you know, no matter what, you know, but I guess the, you know, the sad part is that, you know, when I walked away from the day, it didn't, it didn't really matter, you know, about the impact I made, you know, in, in the one day of helping. I know that it made, you know, sort of little to no difference, you know, like, yes, I may have done something and I may have, um, you know, made an impact in the day, but I don't know that it ultimately made that much of a difference in the broader impact of these, you know, these people's lives. Um, you know, I, I made a friend. I know I made a friend that day. I know I made someone feel like they had a friend that day, that someone reached back to me and, you know, they felt as though they had met someone that understood them. Um, you know, and that was cool. That was great. And I could feel their presence and I could, I could understand that they were waiting to get back to me multiple times to have a pro prolonged, you know, sort of evolving conversation. But ultimately, I think in the grand scheme of things, I was just another face in a maze of people, you know, who were, I, I think, you know, to them, it's just people trying to change them, to try to move them down a path or to help them, you know, and, um, you know, so I guess, you know, for me, it was just about making sure I listen and engage rather than change. I mean, one of the things we weren't allowed to do was offer advice. There were some conditions around what we were up to, and, and they were rightfully so. I can understand why, you know, that, that, that level of, you know, sort of being there and just doing the work as opposed to trying to change anything. But, you know, ironically, in a weird way, I had, you know, I felt I had this level of control over the situation because I was this gatekeeper of hot beverages. Um, but in the reality... Um, you know, the, the situation I was in was, you know, they knew what they wanted. They knew what they were doing. This was a regular experience for them. And today was like a volunteer day. So I'm sure that they knew that they could push the rules and get away with more, um, you know, and the, you know, and you could tell that they were, I mean, most fell in line. Most were doing, you know, the two cups and the things and doing all the things right, but a small few pressed, you know, and, um, you know, and ultimately we just broke for them. We didn't ask them, you know, or challenge them on having more than one cup or having more scoops than they want. You know, my boss just let it all happen, you know, which was fine. And we crossed that, you know, line and danced in the sand together, you know, like it was like, hey, you know, we're all going to just do this, you know, because it didn't make a difference. You know, it didn't matter if we gave them extra, you know, ultimately, because we could just buy more if we needed to. Um, it was our job to just make sure that I think it was our job to ensure that they just got what they needed in that moment, you know, and, you know, and then at the whole time I had to sit there and sit back and go, just my life is great in a comparative place. You know, I was able to go home. I'm able to hug my wife. I'm able to gather my children, tell them I love them. You know, I could make a meal that I had gotten from the grocery store earlier in that week. I could feed my family. You know, I was winning, right? It's just, you know, I was winning. So why am I telling you this story? You know, why am I deciding now inside of an interview format about, you know, self-talk and all the things that I've been kind of driving at for the last sort of, I guess, four or five weeks? Why this? Because I think life is one giant lottery. You don't get to choose this entry point. You're just dropped in, right? You get the parents you get and the decisions that they're going to make which end up affecting you for the first 18 to 20 years of your life. 
And then they indirectly affect you for the rest of your life until you finally figure out how to either step up and be yourself and shed it or you figure out that you just had it lucky and you had good parents and you had the long-term support and the ability to run the gamut that is the system that's put in front of you. You know, I mean, you could go one or two ways with anything here, right? You could just have fallen down, right? You could have tried your hardest and just fallen down. You could have just rejected the rules that you never signed up for. You can walk away from the system you're trapped inside of, right? But history has, you know, told us that society, they burn the witches, right? If you don't play by the rules, you're a heretic. The crazy ones are only accepted if they contribute something to, to the system or society. The ones outside of it are the aliens, right? Those of the gray race who may or may not recall being taken by the reptilian race and then used to create the light and the black race of humanoids who have been in an intergalactic war for the last million years. And that might sound crazy to you, right? Because that's the reality of a person that I made friends with that day. Someone who decided to share with me all of the crazy reality that they lived inside of. The alternate reality that they'd created to escape the one that they'd, I could see from the outside looking in. Right? So, the next time you get that feeling that someone just needs a chat. Someone needs that attention. And you know you know what that feeling feels like. You'll walk past that person. You'll feel it. You'll know inside of yourself that they need something. And they are gonna, they're going to pass you off. They're going to brush you away. But you know, stop. Ask them how they are. Ask them three times. Make sure that they know you know. And even if they don't want to tell you, it was important that you stopped and asked because the next time you ask them, they're probably going to tell you. And if you're the one that's being asked, be sure to tell your truth because it really doesn't matter what it is. What matters is that you're able to move forward from that truth, to not be stuck, and to be free of your demons because the downward cycle of all this stuff just gets dark and crazy and if you're in a position where you can be asked or you can ask you're in a position to be able to evolve and change your mind and get somewhere so i'm going to leave you guys with this one because i think it's important that we all reflect on the positions that we're in that the lives that we have and that if we're in a position or in a mindset or in a mental state where we can't get where we need to go or we are where we want to go or we can help, we should probably do a little bit more. I'm not saying we should all go jump in a soup kitchen and save everybody, but I think when you know you can, you should. And I think that, that it's important that we all look after each other a little bit more. And if it means about just doing that in the close circle you're in, then do it. It's important to ask your friends and family and the people that are nearest you that you can make an impact with if, it's, if, if they need something. And at the same time, if you need to ask for help, ask for that help because it's important to admit that you need it. Also, go listen to the new Hobo Johnson album because if you haven't heard who Hobo Johnson is, then you need to get out there and do that. 
and do the new album at least five times. And I mean, I'm saying like, really listen to this guy because he is literally the Bob Dylan of his generation. Like I wasn't alive when Bob Dylan was around as such in his populace, but like I've listened to heaps of Bob Dylan and I love Bob Dylan. But if you really want to check today's voice and you want to hear and tap into the, the, the voice of the generation that you don't necessarily understand, then go listen to Hobo Johnson because this dude has got something that I've not heard of, heard done in a long time. He's a storyteller and really just opens the doors to the minds of a generation that everybody thinks is lost. Um, Hobo Johnson, check him out. Uh, hey, and thanks everybody for listening. Um, always looking for interviews, always looking for feedback. Uh, check me out, check it out. And uh, you know, let's just keep doing this thing. Cheers everybody.